Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the 24th Sunday after Trinity, November 14th, 2021, is preached by seminarian Joe Freck. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Our sermon text for today comes from Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And I'm not going to read it quite yet. I'm going to give us a little bit of introduction as Daniel 12, along with some of the other passages we've read today, are often difficult passages for us to understand. These passages describe the end of the world and the return of Christ. And depending on what you believe about the return of Christ will depend on how you read these passages. Many people have become famous by using things such as Daniel 12 to proclaim that they have found a date for the end of the world, only for that date to come and for them to be completely wrong. One man, Harold Campbell, predicted that the world should have ended four times in my short lifetime. Think about that and think about how many other people have tried to do the same thing. Realistically, we all should have died a lot. So when we read a passage which speaks to us of the end of the world, how should we read it? How should we read it so that we don't cause confusion and fear, and so we don't cause a false witness to the world that comes and sees the Christian church? What can we learn from a passage which teaches us about the end of the world? In our text today, we're going to have to pull some things that we can be sure of from the text. It's no good to dabble in speculation. It's no good for us to try and focus on the things that we simply don't know. It's no good to say, well, let's study this passage and figure out when the world's going to end. Or let's study some of these other passages and figure out what signs are pointing us to the ends of the world so that we can keep watch for them. Martin Luther once said, if I knew the world was going to end tomorrow, I would plant a tree. This idea that even though we know the world's coming to an end, is that any reason for us to freak out? For us to try and over-prepare? Or is it better for us to rather live our lives just as we are? Live our lives in servants to God and our neighbor? So in our text today then, we're going to learn that at the return of Christ, there will be trouble. At the return of Christ, there will be a judgment. And at the return of Christ, there will be a reward. Most importantly, though, we need to remember that this passage teaching, uh, teaches us that the world will come to an end. That Christ will return. So then we read in the context of knowing Christ is returning, Daniel chapter 12, 
verses 1 through 3, and I invite you to stand for the reading of our Old Testament lesson. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 states this, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who hath charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Heavenly Father, these are your words and your word is truth. Sanctify us today in that truth. Convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary. And comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. Amen. You may be seated. As I stated... At the return of Christ, our first thing to learn is that there will be trouble. And so whenever we hear the word trouble, it is our human nature to try and figure out just how bad this trouble is going to be. When I think of trouble, I think of the first snowfall in Minnesota, where suddenly everyone forgets how to drive in Minnesota. Or when we think of trouble in today's context, we think of riots in the street of our city. We think of the strife that goes on in our nation's capital. We think of the war against the unborn. We think of the war against the family. We think of these things as trouble. And yes, I'm not going to lie, these things are bad. But are these things pointing us to the return of Christ? Are these things the trouble that signal Christ's return? For Israel, in the time of Jesus, their greatest pride and joy was the temple. And in the temple was all the treasures of Solomon. And the great temple that King Herod rebuilt. And in our gospel lesson, Christ prophesies that not one stone would remain on another in that temple. That it would be destroyed and ransacked. And in AD 70 which is about 35 years after Christ died, it happened. The temple was overthrown. Jerusalem was sacked. And it was trouble. It was awful for the people of Jerusalem in that time. And yet it was a shadow of the trouble that is to come. It is a shadow of the trouble that is mentioned in our text today. Our text in Daniel says, This is trouble as has not been seen since the world was made. 
This trouble is absolute and final. This trouble is not wars and rumors of wars. Though these things must happen, Christ says, they are as birth... How does he put that? They are but the beginnings of the birth pains. They are but the beginning of what is to come. But these troubles do include wars and rumors of wars. These troubles do include children giving up their parents, fathers giving up their children, brother betraying his brother. This trouble does include, dear saints, persecution that you will endure. Persecution that comes upon each and every one of us. Persecution which right now in churches in China and Iran caused them to be put to death if they are caught with even so much as a single shred of Scripture. Christ says, they will deliver you up to the councils. And you will stand before governments and kings for my sake. Dear friends, there will be trouble, and we must be aware that there will be trouble. And when we are plagued with these troubles, we know that we are a witness then to the glory of God in our lives. That even in the midst of these troubles, of these horrible times where the whole world is against us, we can be witnesses to the fact that Christ Jesus has not abandoned us. We can be witnesses to the fact that Christ Jesus still loves and preserves us even in this trouble. And then when the trouble gets to its climax, and when there is trouble and final destruction such as has never been seen, Jesus will return. On his time, in his place, and at the return of Christ then, there will be a judgment. The bodies of those who are dead will rise. And we will all stand before God and give an account of our lives. Our passage says those whose names are written in the book will be delivered. This book, the Lamb's book of life, is spoken of in the book of Revelation. And the Lamb's book of life is the book of all the believers that have ever lived. The Lamb's book of life is the book 
containing the names of those who follow Christ and whom Christ calls his own. And our scripture says, to those names, to those people, there will be deliverance. Now as Christians, as people on this side of the resurrection, we know that we have been delivered from all of our sins, from the death of eternity. So what more do we as Christians get delivered out of? This deliverance is when the entire work of Christ comes to its absolute completion. This deliverance is when we are freed from the current pain we live in, from the sin that resides inside of each and every one of us. This is the time where the work that God is doing in the lives of each and every one of you will be perfectly completed and there will be no more sin, no more crying, no more pain. This deliverance is the new heavens and the new earth spoken of in Revelation 21. And this deliverance is for you, dear saints. Christ is returning. Christ is coming back for you. And even though the world may throw doubts at you, Satan himself may try to convince you otherwise, we have a sure word from God. And even though the doubts in your own mind and in your own heart are some of the worst things you can deal with, even though your own logic and reason might say, how could God ever forgive me of this? Even though you fall into sin time and time again, and it seems like your entire world is crumbling around you, Christ himself has promised that he will return. And our passage says, you will be delivered, dear saint. You will be redeemed. And in the meantime, know that you have been redeemed and forgiven of all of your sins. In order for us to properly understand the return of Christ, we must properly understand that when Christ came the first time, when he died on that cross and when he was raised from the dead, he completed the most important event in human history. He completed for you and for me the entire forgiveness of all of our sins. He completed for you and for me victory over the powers of sin, death, and hell. He completed for you and for me the greatest joy we will ever know in this earthly life. 
And that is the knowledge that your sins have been forgiven by God. And that you are a new creature. Though you still struggle with your sin, though the doubt still plagues your mind, though the world still tempts you to despair, yet Christ Jesus is faithful and true. But when we speak of the return of Christ in judgment, we can't only speak as much as I would love to of his judgment of mercy. Because when Christ returns in judgment, there is a judgment for those who don't believe Christ. There is a judgment, our text says, to everlasting contempt. And when Christ returns, this judgment is final. There will be no more chances to change their mind. There will be no more chances to say, wait, wait, wait a minute. When Christ returns in final judgment, those who do not follow God, those who do not have faith in the completed work of Christ on the cross, will be judged to everlasting contempt. And so for those people, dear church, you have a role. For those people, dear church, you have been given a task to pray. You have been given a task to seek to provide God's grace to them. You have been given a task to be lights in this world that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Dear friends, also then, this word of law, this word of judgment unto contempt, this must still be proclaimed. This must still be told. Because this word is still the word of God, even though I wish we could ignore it. But dear friends, that is not the end of it. Because dear friends in Christ, at the return of Christ, there will be a reward. And that reward is given to us throughout the entire book of Revelation. That reward is God's people seeing the face of God once more. That reward is God's people forever living in perfect fellowship with their Creator. Dear friends, at the return of Christ, your reward is no more sin. Your reward is no more death. Your reward is no more pain. The former things will have passed away. All will be made new. 
But dear friends, the world has not ended yet. Christ has not returned in the last ten minutes of me preaching this sermon. So therefore, dear saints, we are not allowed to act like he has. When Christ returns, until Christ returns, you have a duty to your neighbor. You have a duty to those who you come in contact with. You hear teachings every Sunday about the doctrine of vocation, Pastor Jason's favorite topic. But dear friends, especially when we consider the return of Christ, your vocation to your neighbor is to love and serve them until the return of Christ. Parents to your children. Children to your parents. Siblings to one another. Husband to wife. further out to your neighbor who actually is your neighbor, the guy who lives next to you, the guy who doesn't know Christ, the guy who has a rainbow flag on his porch. Your vocation is to love your neighbor to anyone you may come in contact with. And until Christ returns, that is still your exhortation. As redeemed saints in Christ, as those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, as those with faith in Christ, your vocation is still there. Your duty to your neighbor is still present. Because Christ has not returned yet. Daniel then closes us with these words. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. How good is it then to know that through the mercy and grace won by Christ, that we are called wise. That we are called saints in Christ. Dear church, you are wise in your knowledge of Christ. The knowledge that he died and rose from the dead. Dear church, you are wise in your faith in Christ. You are called wise. And it is you dear saints in Christ, that this passage closes talking about. The witness that you have in the word of God can and will lead many to righteousness. For this word is powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. So go, my dear friends, my dear church, in the peace of Christ, and in the knowledge of the forgiveness of your sins and share that truth, loving your neighbor and looking forward to the return of Christ. Amen. 
And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus now and forever. Amen.